1: Welcome to the female only is allowed campfire. Yeah,
0: I'm getting, <laughs> I got kicked out.
2: I'm Tony.
1: I'm Peggy and I'm camping as you're listening.
2: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm back at our sticks and bricks because <laughs> of my plumbing. But we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time. And you
1: know all kinds of stuff.
2: Including a tent. That's right. And share Big adventures to help you with great tips Tricks. and discounts. Indeed. As you're listening to this. Obviously we recorded this in advance. So we're
1: predicting the future right now. Peggy is sitting in a tent. <laughs> well, probably not sitting in the tent,
2: but Oh, you're probably sitting around with uh, a whole bunch of ladies that's right at-
1: festival of fun yep festival <laughs> of
2: fun and it's uh, no boys allowed
1: probably so that- trying out some new cocktail recipes yep <laughs> very much so and
2: all kinds of great all sorts of recipes and maybe even some silly games and probably i don't know i don't know because i am not allowed that's
1: right i'll report back next week If, you know, if it's not one of those, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of experiences, Say what? (laughs) But,
2: But here's the funniest thing to me. Well, not funny, but Peggy is camping in a tent for this because as you know, if you follow this podcast, we have totaled and now sold... The modern trailer.
1: That's right. We did. We sold the Rockwood (laughs) and we, of course, still have the vintage trailer. But it's getting some new shoes. Yes, it is. Some whole new feet. (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: getting wheel bearings. It's getting tires. They're working on the brakes. So all the things that make it go and stop, all that important stuff, I thought it would be better to have professionals handle rather than yours truly.
1: Yes, but don't feel sorry for me because I am still glamping it up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah she is.
1: I've probably taken more stuff with me this week than <laughs> in a regular travel trailer trip.
2: And meanwhile... <laughs> Since we sold our car, since mostly what we do is tow the trailer around with a truck. Right. I will be riding my electric bike all over town. Yep. And perhaps visiting the local brewery. Perhaps.
1: All right. Look it. For the last three weeks. Yeah. After we're done recording and we're done editing, we say, dog darn it. We forgot to thank Terry Lukens again.
2: Yeah. So Terry managed to find the donate button on our website. And we don't make that obvious because we we do this for a variety of reasons, but asking for donations is not one of no. them. However, we sincerely appreciate the donations if someone feels that's appropriate. And Terry made one, and we just want to thank Terry very much for the donation. Yes, thank you so much. Sincere appreciation for Terry and uh, and... and Terry and for comment- all of our supporters. Yeah, we really appreciate every single one of you. And the, it keeps growing every week, which we're very, very grateful for. Friends telling friends or or friends warning friends, whatever <laughs> the case may be. But uh, yeah, there you go.
1: So after we have a little break, we are going to talk about some really serious tent camping that is not by most stretches of the imagination going to be considered glamping. No. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're doing a different form of stressless camping. Yes, we are. First, did you know there are over 800,000 vehicle thefts per year?
1: Do you know where your RV is?
2: Yeah, and if it's in storage right now, you might not know that it's been stolen until it's too late.
1: Well... With WearSafe GPS, you get notifications if your RV is moving.
2: Yeah, WearSafe is a simple device you can attach to your motorhome, travel trailer, boat, or pretty much any vehicle. The WearSafe GPS can operate under its own power or off the vehicle battery. Further, if a thief thinks they're clever and tries to take the WearSafe device you'd be notified of that as well.
1: right. So we spoke to the folks at WearSafe a few weeks ago, and we have a discount on their outstanding GPS systems. And all you have to do is go to our deals and discounts page on stresslesscamping.com.
2: Yeah, this is the same technology that the company uses for police and fire vehicles and other. So you know it's reliable, you know it works. And uh, again, we've got a discount for you at our deals and discounts page At StresslessCamping.com We are very pleased to be joined by a voice that you, as a listener, are likely to be very familiar with. We have Mark Farrell on the line. And Mark is a professional voice talent, an entertainer, an educator, an RVer. And a backpacker.
1: You probably would remember that we spoke to Mark and his beautiful wife, Rebecca, in our episode 52.
2: Our one-year anniversary. Our one-year
1: anniversary when Mark and Rebecca told us about their life as running a business from their RV, full-time RVing. And now we're going to kind of swing completely to the opposite direction and have Mark tell us how he likes to camp without an RV. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's very impressive. I'm, I'm impressed. I wish I knew myself. <laughs> I've
2: been impressed since I've known you, which I think I've known you for at least 30 years. Probably more. Yeah. Which is yeah, I odd think. considering how young we are.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> truly. You were truly. babies
1: together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what do you want to know about backpacking? Because uh, I never really considered RVing camping, really, because I did go backpacking. And that, to me, is what camping is, is walking around with your house on your back.
2: Right. (laughs) And your trips are not just weekend getaways to a developed
0: campground.
2: You spent long periods of time and continue to do so hiking the Sierras.
0: Yeah, yeah. I try to get back uh, into the wilderness for about two weeks every year. Normally in the fall, after some of the crowds have gone, Mm-hmm. And most importantly, after the mosquitoes are gone.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one less thing you have to carry then mosquito repelling. <laughs>
0: yeah. They can be brutal back there. I mean, especially July, because I guess July and the first couple of weeks of August are mating season. And it's only oh. the female mosquitoes that bite. The males are interested in the female mosquitoes <laughs> and the female mosquitoes are interested in blood. Uh huh. Oh,
1: that makes sense. Yeah. They got to bulk up to carry the babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. And we happen to be a good source of said blood.
1: So do you, I know primarily, but exclusively hike and, and move along every day when you're backpacking? Or do you also just go to a place for a weekend and s- sit in one place in a tent?
0: Well... I've never really just sat in a tent, but well
3: (laughs) of course.
0: (laughs) But I, I understand what you're asking. So okay. When I was younger, you know, moving along every day and having a couple of layoff days was the norm. That's that's how we did it. And as I've gotten older, the deal that I have with my hiking partner is for every hiking day we have, we have a layoff day. Okay. And sometimes we just alternate, you know, one day on, one day off. And sometimes we'll walk for two days and then take two days off or even three. Mm -hmm. And then there's other types of trips where you do what's called a spot trip. And that's where you hike into a central location. You set up a base camp and then do a series of day hikes for whatever reason, photography, fishing, okay, looking for wildlife, all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a couple different kinds of styles that you can have backpacking.
1: Where you have a base camp, then when you're doing your day trips, you don't have to carry everything with you because you can leave most things at your base camp.
0: Right. What I used to do, I don't do anymore, but what I used to do is stuff my sleeping bag into a day pack and then set up a base camp and then use the day pack to put in your supplies for the day, you know, enough food for the day camera equipment, fishing equipment,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and then the emergency supplies because you never know when you're going to get stuck someplace. Sure. And you really are on your own back there. So you, you might run into a situation where you get delayed. You have to come back at night. So it's always good to pack a flashlight or a headlamp. First aid kit in case you roll an ankle or, <laughs> <laughs> or any number of things that can happen because, you know, the terrain's pretty rough.
2: Right. I have a feeling that that roll an ankle is something
0: that you – You don't just make that up. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny when you when you know wilderness first aid, if you do, you know, sprain your ankle, you can use your your foam sleeping pad to create a a cast, so to speak, or a, a splint.
1: Oh, so these are the things to know before one chooses to go out and do all that hiking is some things can Do two jobs. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like boondocking with RVing. Mm -hmm. When I think of boondocking with an RV, I think back to the days of the the movement west, you know, from the east, from Missouri and the Oregon Trail and all those people with Calistoga wagons, etc. They were RVing, basically. Sure. So backpacking is very similar. They didn't have a modern... You know, interstate <laughs> system. Right. <laughs> so they had to be self-sufficient. And when you're backpacking, you're in the wilderness, you're kind of putting yourself in that situation again. And and so you have to be very self-sufficient back there. So you have to either carry enough food or know how to find food mm-hmm. and any eventuality, any medical needs that you might have from sprained ankles to burns to head injuries from falling or a rock falling on your head. There's all kinds of things that you have to be ready to to take care of. But most of the time, it's just fun. Yeah, because That's you're good.
2: around nature and it seems like there are no other than your fellow hiker. There's nobody around.
0: Truly. Yeah, it's uh, I, I can't tell you exactly how wonderful that is.
2: <laughs> 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 there's still as populated as even this state and so many states are there are still wonderful places to go where people aren't
0: yeah all over all over the country actually there are state parks and national parks and for instance in california everybody knows yosemite mm-hmm. and when they think of yosemite national park they really think of the valley sure and the valley is just a very small part of the entire park so in order to really appreciate yosemite you got to get out of the valley away from the traffic away from the, the crowded campgrounds and get on a trail get on you know put your feet on some dirt and climb up and down in the sierra and you're going to see all kinds of truly wonders uh, the, the sierra nevada mountain range is one of the most beautiful ranges in the world and people do come from every part of the world to enjoy it for instance the fall of 2019 i did a hike basically from Bishop, California, back to Mammoth Lakes, where I live.
3: Uh-huh.
0: It was about an 89-mile hike in two weeks. And along the trail, part of the trail was on the Pacific Crest Trail and the John Muir Trail. And I met people from South Africa, from Scotland, from Australia, New Zealand. Wow! Yeah, people from all over the world travel to experience the, the wilderness in the, in the Sierra Nevada. And it doesn't surprise me. I've been traveling back there since I was 12.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah. And that's to even stay on the highway. That's one of my favorite places to be, is that area around Bishop in the Eastern Sierra. And that's not even getting out there and actually. Exploring the unpopulated part.
0: It's a goal in my in my life to take you on a backpacking trip.
1: I know. We've talked about it for 30
0: years. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute.
1: Well, okay, for me only 20, but
0: (laughs) especially because of your geology background. I would love to, to see the Sierra through your geologic eyes.
2: I would enjoy a trip. But
0: what kind of
2: prep is I know, you know, some people are stressed out about packing up an RV for going from one civilized place to the next.
1: Right. (laughs) What
2: kind of planning is involved in preparing for two weeks where there's literally no infrastructure that we have become accustomed to?
0: Yeah, truly, the only infrastructure are the trails. And a lot of those trails, by the way, were created centuries ago by the Native Americans that were trading across the Sierra. Eastern Sierra Indians were trading their goods to the western side of the Sierra uh, Mm. Indians. Mm -hmm. I think one of those was uh, a delicacy from Mono Lake, (laughs) which which was... Those shrimp? No, fly larva. Oh. Oh, geez. (laughs) I guess they put them out on, on mats and dried them out, and then they traded... the Miwok Indians uh, on the west side of the Sierra Nevada.
1: That is what I was thinking. I just remembered them as shrimp instead of flies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I digress. The trails are the only infrastructure, so you really do have to have everything else that you need. Mm -hmm. So getting ready or packing for a a two-week backpacking trip, or even a one-week backpacking trip, isn't that much different than, you know, packing your RV.
1: Except that you can carry less than 2,000
0: pounds. Yes, lightweight equipment is important, <laughs> but it is in an RV too. You, you don't want to overload your RV. Right, right. You right? pop tires and There's all kinds of problems you can have if you load up your RV with too much weight.
1: But on the other hand, you also don't have to carry a bunch of tools to maintain the RV. So that.
0: Wait a minute.
2: What RV have you been in that doesn't need maintenance?
1: I'm saying if you're backpacking, you (laughs) don't need RV maintenance
3: tools.
2: Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) True. But believe it or not, you do have to have an equal amount, I guess, of repair items. So I bring duct tape and I bring extra clips for if one of the rings breaks on on the backpack. Uh Or if your tent pole breaks, you have to have a means of propping that up. You don't bring an extra tent pole, so you have to fix it. Again, it's a parallel to RV life. It's just a different conveyance, really. But you still have to have all of the... We bathe in the backcountry and we eat in the backcountry and we go to the bathroom in the backcountry and, yeah. we, you know, we do all of the things that you would do in an RV. It's just lighter weight materials.
2: And no traffic jams.
0: <laughs> uh, only on Mount Whitney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> popular place. <laughs>
0: that is a very popular place. You're uh-huh. going to run into traffic jams on, on the Mount Whitney Trail and also the, the John Muir Pacific Crest Trail. John Muir Trail runs out of Yosemite Valley to the top of Mount Whitney. And it's, a, it's becoming a more popular route for people. So you will run into a lot more people there. I tend to go off trail. Mm. So there's really absolutely no infrastructure. And I at least get a taste, maybe five or six days out of a uh, two-week trip, of being in, uh, immersing myself in the wilderness away from all people. And, and it's a different environment when you get off, to, off the trail. So you have to have a map and a compass, and you have to know how to, how to get around. Mm-hmm. You know, read a topographical map, which is something you don't have to do in an RV, you just turn on your GPS device. Right. Or your phone. <laughs> but surprisingly they have, I've used my phone in the backcountry because the GPS works where the cell towers don't exist.
2: Mm, interesting.
0: And I also have an emergency locator, a Garmin device, which is also GPS. So yeah, you can, you can navigate that way. I'm kind of old school because I'm just an old guy. <laughs> so I still use a map and a compass mostly.
2: Okay. Well, those don't require any connectivity or electricity.
0: Right. Yeah, when you start bringing electronics, which a lot of younger backpackers do, they bring their phones, they bring the uh, the Garmin devices and they bring music and speakers and all kinds of stuff, which to me is you know, why seek the wilderness if you're going to be bringing DVD player?
1: Right. The whole point is to get away from all that.
0: Yeah, for me, it is. I, I, I can't speak for everybody. But sure. when I go back there, I really want to have a wilderness experience. That's what I seek, even though I don't live naturally back there. I have a backpack and I have a sleeping bag and I have a tent and I have a stove and I have food that I've bought and prepared for carrying.
1: You don't just gather berries and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: live I off the have. Land.
1: <laughs> but not exclusively
0: <laughs> right yeah in the fall there's a variety of berry bushes that are ripe and i try to leave most of those for the bears because they have to you know fatten up for the winter mm-hmm. but boy i picked a whole baggie full of currant berries and put them in my oatmeal oh, and what yeah. A treat.
2: yeah, yeah i can imagine just completely natural wonderful foods
0: backpacking And trying to get back to nature, which is now scientifically proven beneficial to your health and your mental health, reinforces the idea that we are part of this. And it's refreshing. And so picking a berry off of a bush and eating it like, you know, our ancestors puts us back in touch with who we really are. And that's one of the big reasons that I go backpacking.
2: That's so cool. And how do you find I mean, now you obviously know these trails well, but how would one start venturing out, kind of get started in this and find these places to go where others are less frequent?
0: I think the easiest way to get started is a day hike, I think. And I think Yosemite Valley is a great place to to experiment, to to start. A little day pack pack a sandwich, an apple, maybe even a, a bottle of wine, and just go out for a day. Get on a trail. There are plenty of—Yosemite uh, is very safe uh, because there are a lot of people. There are a lot of rangers. There are a lot of—there's a lot of support for you there. Mm-hmm. It can still be dangerous. People still die there. Sure. Getting too close to the falls or or a rock fall. Or, I mean, there's any number of ways. Deer are the number one reason people are injured or killed in— you know everybody's afraid of bears, but it's really the deer. People go up and feed little Bambi a Cheeto or something, uh-huh. and they rear up on their hind quarters and then they beat the crap out of you with their with their hooves. So it's still a dangerous place to, you know, any any time you go into the wilderness, there's there's a certain amount of danger. But it's a real safe environment in terms of starting. So get a little day pack and uh, get out on a trail and. That'll start getting your lungs and your heart and your legs and everything working. Mm -hmm. And then try an overnighter. And like I said, to get away from the crowds in Yosemite, gosh, you don't even have to hike any any more than two or three miles, really.
1: Well, that sounds good. I could probably do that.
0: (laughs) So I think for your first overnighter, or if I was suggesting for a first overnighter, for at least people that are close enough to Yosemite, I'd say go up to Little Yosemite Campground. They have big bear boxes that you can store all your food in, and they have pit toilets, so you don't have to worry about how to take care of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's a real safe, convenient way of doing one overnighter.
1: And it kind of takes care of some of those questions like, how do I protect myself from the bear stealing my food and how you, do I
2: you bring a slow friend because you don't have to be faster than the bear you just have to be faster than the slowest person in your group and maybe that's why I am not. I haven't gone hiking with you maybe. yet because I think you can outrun me by a significant
0: amount <laughs> well if, if you use that tact then you also need to have uh, some honey that you can squirt on your slowest friend <laughs> No, honestly, this is bear spray.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> Those thoughts really are something that intimidate people from starting is how will I go to the bathroom and and things like that. And so that's great advice to stay in a little bit more development, not a hotel at the end, but a place to keep you safe and a seat to sit on. <laughs> and get used to that until you learn, until you're a little more ready to move on to the shovel method
0: <laughs> it's a safe way to do everything from cooking to uh so you still have to carry all of your supplies mm-hmm. but it's a it's a developed campground with bear boxes and like i said toilets and Uh, But you still have to, you know, plan a menu and you still have to cook your food. So it's a really great, easy way to dip your toe into the shallow end of the backpacking pool, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad to hear cook. I'm glad to hear the word cook in there. Like you don't have to only eat trail mix and beef jerky for two weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You catch fish. Probably. We could do a whole show on food because if there's anything i like to do in the backcountry is cook. I love to eat
1: (laughs)
3: <laughs> and,
0: I, and I love to eat well. And as a result of that, I usually have a, a heavier pack. I also like taking pictures. So I also carry camera equipment and heavy lenses, mm-hmm. which no one's required to do, especially with today's phones. You know, they take wonderful pictures, but I'm I think you already
1: mentioned that old school thing, right? So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard to let go of some of that. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, I might be able to live on beef jerky and trail mix, but I couldn't go without boiling some water for coffee every morning.
0: <laughs> Gosh, I could do a whole hour on coffee.
1: <laughs>
0: I love a hot cup of coffee, especially back there. And I tried every kind of coffee maker I could ever buy over you know, a 40-year period, mm-hmm. trying to find the perfect cup of coffee. Part of the problem with getting good coffee in the backcountry is when you wake up in the morning, it's usually, you know, between 25 and 35 degrees, Burr. even in the summertime, because you're up at elevations. Oh, right. 10,000, 11,000 feet. But now I have found Starbucks. Oh, Instant. oh yeah, yeah. Those Vias. The Via. The little tubes of. Right. Comp, and it's every bit as good as and with much less of the hassle.
1: And with VIA, there's no. Yeah there's there is no nothing to clean up except the little packet.
0: Yeah. Very true. Yeah, that's right. Leave no trace. I'm a leave no trace trainer. So Yes, yeah, that's I've done a few clinics on backpacking and and I have a complete slideshow. So if anybody's interested in that, if they ever get into Mammoth and they're curious, I'll put to put together a little clinic for people that want to start backpacking.
1: Oh, that would be awesome.
0: But yeah, I mean, backpacking and RVing is, is very similar uh, in so many respects. You, you still have to sort of plan ahead and you have to get all, all of the materials that you're going to need to survive however long you're going to survive. And then it's a lot of fun and, and you meet interesting people. So I see a lot of parallels. The only difference is the, the physicality.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, backpacking, obviously, you're, you're carrying some weight on your back, hiking up and down hills. Yeah. To find a place, back to your original question, gosh. There's this thing called the interweb. No. The what now? (laughs) (laughs) I still like books. And one of the very best books that was ever written was written by a guy by the name of RJ Secor. And he wrote a book. It's called The High Sierra Peaks, Passes and Trails. (laughs) He has very detailed descriptions of a lot of the trails and passes and mountains in the high sierra okay it's a no-nonsense book and it covers everything from the southern sierra to the northern sierra everything in between and it's it's good for beginners and it's good for you know hardcore mountain climbers
1: great okay we'll find that and put a link to that in our show notes so that you don't uh, so that people don't have to look it up for themselves (laughs) they can just (laughs) click the link
0: (laughs) but books are still fantastic way i'm always consulting books but also, there's a bunch of groups on the internet as well—not uh, only Facebook groups, but uh, other forums where you know backpackers and mountaineers exchange uh, information about a particular route or or that. Being old school, as we've established, I like the idea of exploring—of people not knowing ahead of time where they're going exactly. Oh, uh huh. That's one of the reasons that I. I like guidebooks, and I also hate guidebooks.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: Thankfully, most people stay on the trail. So that's, but more and more people are getting off trail now because it is getting more crowded than it ever has been before. Yeah,
2: yeah, and unfortunately, not all hikers are equally respectful of the world around them.
0: That's true. That's the reason leave no trace is so important. And the organization, not just the ethos, but the organization is really, really important too. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, got to get that information out there. Right. Yep.
2: Absolutely.
0: When I take, like, for instance, when when you come over this direction and want to go on a backpacking trip, I'll take you to a place called Blue Lake. It's one of my favorite places to, pardon the expression, break people in.
3: Okay.
0: (laughs) It's a two-mile hike, but you get into the Sierra, the Eastern Sierra wilderness. There's only about 1,500 feet in elevation gain. Maybe it's more like 1,000 feet of elevation gain. And it puts you in this absolutely beautiful pristine place this lake is called blue lake for a reason and it's just the idyllic what you would find in national geographic you know it's just an idyllic eastern sierra alpine environment with the pine trees and the granite crags and all the beauty that you could possibly have and it's attainable in just two miles Okay. That's where I would take you. Aside from going to Little Yosemite Valley, where there still are quite a few people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Blue Lake would give you a real taste of what it's like to be in the wilderness. All right. It's beautiful. That
2: sounds good. Uh, you, you may be surprised to know that after I graduated high school, as the rocks were forming on the planet, <laughs> I actually went on a, I think we were gone for a week out in Mammoth. To some lake. I don't remember because it was so long <laughs> But I actually did a hike. Like two weeks of hiking? I think a week. Huh. Or maybe
0: five days. But it was, a you know, a while. I do not doubt that with your German heritage. <laughs> the German people love the mountains. They love hiking. Yeah. When Rebecca lived in Germany, you know, she commented on how everybody on Sunday, they're wearing their Sunday best, you know, suits and ties <laughs> and dresses. And where are they? They're out in nature. They're out in the wilderness. They're climbing mountains, all dressed up.
2: Huh. Yodeling while hoisting beers.
0: <laughs> well, that's after the hike. They can, they can <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite things to do with, with newbies, with people that I take backpacking for the first time, <laughs> I usually pack a six-pack. Ah. Uh, well, now you've my... got my interest. Well,
1: huh. <laughs> <laughs> are there any other... Tips that people need to know before they even start to think about doing this kind of camping?
0: Uh, equipment really is is the key and and going as lightweight as possible. When I started out, everything was made out of canvas and weighed, you know, 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. So as a stick child at 12 years old, I was carrying probably 50 to 55 pounds of gear. Today, the everybody is thinking light, lightweight. So mm-hmm. the stoves are lightweight. The food, you know, freeze-dried food is pretty lightweight. Sleeping bags. Gosh, there's so many considerations. Like I said, I can, I can do an eight-hour clinic on this. So I'm trying to just condense it down. Sure. Get a lightweight pack. Most of the packs today are internal frame as, a, as opposed to external frame packs. Uh, mm-hmm. But you need an internal frame pack that's going to carry everything so, that you need. So you probably want about 60 cubic inches. Okay. That'll get you back in the backcountry for a, for a good week. Lightweight, warm clothes. People who are just learning how to backpack usually pack too much. They think they need all this stuff. You don't. You need one pair of underwear, a pair of shorts, you know, long underwear. So you you think in terms of three layers. Right. Right. Okay. So you have your long johns, uppers and bottoms, usually made from polypropylene, and then you have kind of an insulating layer, and then you have your outer layer, which uh, protects you from wind and rain and that sort of thing. So. Down is a great insulating layer and it's very compressible, but if it gets wet, it loses its insulation properties. Sure. So, so you have to keep it dry, but I prefer down. So I have down pants <laughs> oh, and I have a down jacket, a puffy. And like I said, they really compress nicely. So you you have more room in your pack, which is a consideration.
3: Uh-huh.
0: And then you uh, you just keep them dry. So you put them into a dry sack, a little nylon sack that keeps it all nice and dry or even just a trash bag uh, okay. will work. All right. Then your outer layer is like a windbreaker. something that's waterproof. And a knit cap. And that's really all you need. The only thing other than that that I bring is a t-shirt and shorts. But your three layers are, are basically what you need mm-hmm. for warmth. Sleeping bag, down again, keep it dry. Uh, Tint, they make those super lightweight. I carry, these days, I carry a big Agnes tent, which is fantastic. It's under two pounds. Wow. And it sets up so quickly and easily. That's your shelter. And then you have to have some sort of mattress. Anything from a foam pad, depending on how you sleep, you can get an inflatable pad. Therm-a-rest is a great brand. Uh-huh. But there are other brands as well. And they have a foam core, but it's also inflatable. So there's uh, air, air and and the foam core. Part of it the purpose of a mattress is for comfort, but the biggest part of it is insulation from the ground. Right. So you don't want all your warmth draining into the earth. Right. Let's see. So that's your that's your home, that's your tent, your sleeping bag. Then I carry a stuff sack that I just put my clothes in and use that as a pillow at night. Okay. So then there's food, your kitchen, so you have to have a stove. There are a variety of different stoves you can you can go with. I have a, a white gas stove because it's super reliable. The butane stoves are very popular these days, but you have these canisters to deal with, and they're not as reliable in cold weather and at altitude as okay. the white gas are. But they work. Like I said, they're very popular these days. So you have that. You have a pot. I only carry one pot and one cup <laughs> and a spoon. Because most of the freeze-dried meals that you buy, you just pour water into the pouch. It's an aluminum pouch. Okay. And then you stir it and you let it sit for 20 minutes. And then it reconstitutes. Mountain House is my favorite brand. Chili Mac, beef stroganoff, (laughs) ravioli, and spaghetti are all fantastic. And even the biscuits and gravy that they make is pretty good.
1: You finally got Tony's attention. You said beer and chili mac and...
2: I remember, I specifically remember freeze-dried eggs from my hiking trip. Oh, yeah. Like there yeah. a, you know, we had like a pan and one of those stoves that sat on the little green bottle, you know, or just a burner, and then freeze-dried eggs. I distinctly remember those.
0: <laughs> the technology has really changed. And the eggs, the powdered eggs of the past are not the present-day good eggs. There's a brand, OVA. <laughs> or something like that. Huh. And they are egg crystals. Oh, when you add water and, and I carry a little tiny whisk. And when you beat those up really good, they're every bit as good as a fresh egg. Huh.
1: Huh.
0: I usually carry a pouch of spam, not health food. <laughs> yeah, but-, but
1: You're working off all the bad calories. You don't have to eat health food. <laughs>
0: You know, that's true because you burn about 5,000 calories a day backpacking. Yeah. That really works well to burn off calories. Uh, So yeah, a little package of Spam and I dice that up and I put it, uh, I fry that in in my little frying pan and it's a coated frying pan. It's uh, like a porcelain coated frying pan, still lightweight, Mm -hmm. made out of aluminum. And I fry up the Spam and then I pour the the egg crystal mixture in there and have Spam and eggs and, and hash browns.
1: Nice, uh, you eat almost as well as we
2: do, like you know here in the civilized world as it were, or uncivilized, depending on your perspective,
0: yeah, like I said earlier, one of my favorite things to do in the backcountry is eat because when you when you do if you if you hike two, three, four, five miles or more in a day carrying a pack, two things are really important: one is hydration, drink, 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 drink water-,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and the second is food, nutrition, sure. Mm-hmm. So when you get in camp, you're tired and you're hungry and you don't want to choke something down, some sort of backpacking meal that tastes horrible. Right, <laughs> then right. Then you won't eat. Right. So you have to you have to eat the way you eat at home. As close as you know as you can get to that.
1: Yeah. But you also don't want to put a lot of effort because you've been working hard all day and you want food right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So you only need that one pot to boil some water and pour it into a pouch, wait twenty minutes. And then I always need some sort of bread if I'm having Chili Mac, then the best kind of bread to bring backpacking is tortillas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They're
0: flat and round, and <laughs> they fit in the bottom of a bear canister. Okay, which you're not you're not protecting your food from the bear as much as you're protecting the bear from the food. When bears get habituated to human food, and they become dangerous. When they become dangerous, then they're killed. Mm-hmm. So we're really by protecting our food, we're not really protecting our food as much as we're protecting the lives of bears. And so we just have to remember that we're guests in their home, not the other way around.
2: Right. We actually had the privilege of speaking with Steve Searles. Yeah, we did. Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, not long after we met up with you and interviewed you, then we got to talk to Steve within a few weeks, I think, after that.
2: This podcast is really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I should listen to it. Yeah. So, you know, food is is the other consideration. That's you you generally carry about two pounds, one and a half to two pounds of food per day that you're out. Okay. So as you get stronger, as you backpack, your pack weight gets lighter and you at the end of your trip, you feel like Superman and Superwoman.
1: (laughs) Then you can start that rock collection. No, just no. kidding because you don't want to take anything out of the right. forest.
2: Just take memories and <laughs>
1: Take leave memories footprints. and pictures, that's it.
2: Yep. <laughs> well, so do you have a favorite Camping memory from these journeys? Probably millions. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) What a question. I'm writing a book, Tony. Oh, cool.
2: Oh, Oh, when you finish it, we have to have you back and we can talk about it.
1: Yes.
0: Because I've had so many trips. I mean, like I said, I started when I was a 12 year old Boy Scout. A favorite one. Wow. (laughs) 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 Every trip I've ever taken has been so unique. I'll tell you the most unique trip that I took was uh, 9-11.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, I
0: distinctly remember that. Yes, That is probably one of the most memorable in terms of it it being seared into my brain. You know, dates like that, times like that, experiences like that, you don't forget them. So I remember a lot of details from that trip. So the the trip from from 9-11, that was where my friend Dave Uh, We were backpacking. We had heavy packs because we were going to be out for two weeks. And we brought a lot of canned goods just because we were feeling our oats. And (laughs) we, you know, really do like to eat well. So we we bring smoked oysters and sardines and Vienna sausages (laughs) and and cans of spam and all kinds of stuff. And we just gorge ourselves. We had a lot of of weight. And uh, we were coming down into... uh, Untrailed area, a cross country area, and a gust of wind came along and, and knocked him off balance and he came down on his ankle hard and then it swelled up like a balloon. That was on 912. So we hiked in on 910, which was Monday. Tuesday was nine eleven. We were just hiking along, going up over a place called Lamar Cole, which is a thirteen thousand foot pass. On the actual day on 911, 2001, we were oblivious to everything that was happening and and the only thing that could have alarmed us well there were two things one was fa 18 fighter jet scrambled over the crest the sierra crest and we just thought that was cool yeah on a trail uh, on a training run and then the other thing is that night we were up at the at the call at about twelve thousand six hundred feet and we have a, a routine of, of laying out on a big rock and looking at the stars and looking for shooting stars and satellites and stuff like that and just talking about the universe and life and all those types of things. And we were there that night. We didn't see any airplanes. So that was a second clue, but there was no way we could have imagined what was happening you know, with the Twin Towers and sure. yeah, Flight 91 in Pennsylvania. So, But we were happily oblivious. It was just like any other trip to us at that point. So the next day was the day that he broke his ankle, and and then from that it just evolved to trying to get a ranger, and then the rangers trying to get a, a, a helicopter to get him out, and of course all the planes, all the flights were grounded.
1: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> it was quite an ordeal trying to get you know a helicopter to fly in. Plus we were at eleven thousand six hundred feet, which the air is pretty thin up there for a helicopter to begin with, but. Uh, all's well that ends well. And and what happened was he did get a helicopter and he got a ride out. And then I hiked back out to find that he'd already been to the hospital rented a car, had a hotel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was eating all your spam while yeah. you were
0: out. To- <laughs> <laughs> the tragedy of 9/11 was, you know, all over the TV. So by the time that I actually got out and saw what was happening, I think on Saturday. So it was already 4 or 5 days after. Oh wow. So that that was a very memorable trip. Yeah. Wouldn't say it's my favorite trip. (laughs) (laughs) But certainly memorable. There's a story to tell.
1: Yeah. So it almost fits also the other question that we usually ask, which is like, what's your worst camping
0: memory? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you get them both in one yeah, package. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a worst. I No. I, I, the, the one that flashed into my head was a trip that I took to the same general area that I would take you to Blue Lake. Mm-hmm. There was just a torrential rain and everything got wet. There was no way to get anything dry. We lit a campfire to try to try to stay warm, couldn't stay warm. It was just, a, it was pretty miserable trip. So we cut it short. And as we were hiking out, the trail was just a stream of green mud. Oh boy. Uh, All of the horse droppings from the horse packers was liquefying and, oh no. and, and running down, you know, over our shoes and... <laughs> It was pretty disgusting. So I think, well, that's one time out of, what, 50-some-odd years. Yeah,
1: it's good that you have to really think hard to come up with a bad memory. That's a good sign.
0: (laughs) The thunderstorms back there are fantastic. I remember one particular trip. I would have to say that this was actually one of my favorites. I was coming up over a place called the Paiute Pass, uh, which is a place that I first went as a Boy Scout in 1970. 1970. So I I revisit that area a lot because it's just a really beautiful area. So I went up over Paiute Pass, about 11,500 feet, and I was dropping down into the Humphreys Basin. Beautiful day, blue skies, but the white puffy clouds were building. And I thought, hmm, might get a little rain, might get a little thunderstorm. Which is wonderful, you know, and especially in July, thunderstorms are not only beautiful, but, but they cool the air. There's all kinds of positive or no, negative ions in the air it makes you feel all energized. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. So I was packing my backpack and carrying my fishing rod. So I was on a cross-country route, just following the stream down, fishing and pulling out little plump brookies and then releasing them back into the wild after torturing them for a very short period of time. <laughs> And I was having a great day and I was by myself and I was singing, you know, probably Valderie Valdorah. <laughs> and the storm came, the wind shifted, it got abruptly cold and then the hair on the back of my neck and my arms started to, you know, raise and I looked down at my arms and there's St. Elmo's fire, I'm getting a little, <laughs> thunder is booming and I'm in this canyon, granite walls on either side. It was so loud. It was like I was inside somebody's drum. Oh, wow. man. It was the loudest thunder I'd ever heard in my life. And of course, when you when you hear thunder, or no, when you see the flash, you count, right? And you count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004 to see how close the lightning is to you. And at first it was, oh, it's two miles away. Oh, still a mile, mile and a half. And then suddenly <laughs> <laughs> it was the, Simultaneous. Ah. And I'm going, holy cow. And I just ran for a big stand of trees, <laughs> put my pack on the ground because a lot of people are killed in the backcountry from the ground current, not from a direct strike. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, huh. So I put, put my pack on the ground and I crouched down next to it or on top of it, next to a, a, a tree in a big stand of trees, not a solitary tree. Man, the, the wind, the rain, the, the lightning, it was just alarming. Lightning, when it is happening just a few feet away from you, looks like a strobe light going off. You don't see a flash of light or a a bolt.
1: That's just from a distance.
0: It's just this fluttering light and uh, huh. it was a hair-raising experience. Yeah. yeah. But thunderstorms in the backcountry go go away very quickly though and afterwards they leave these the most spectacular sunsets you've ever seen.
1: Ah,
3: Just
0: okay. Yeah. I can tell you, I can <laughs> bore you to death.
2: It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, for sure. And you always do such a great job relating them too.
1: Right. Well,
0: thank you. I, I try to.
1: That's why the book's going to come out. Yeah, be I can't really wait.
0: <laughs> yeah, well I've got two chapters going right now and there's probably going to be 15 stories from my little backpacking adventures. Okay.
2: Oh, well, we we can't wait to read them and share them. Yes. Good. Well, Mark, we really appreciate your time talking to us today about these wonderful adventures and and sharing your trips to the backcountry and your continuous and appreciated urging for us to get off our duffs and come join you (laughs) yeah
1: and the tips and tips for those who are ready to kind of step out of the rv and see a little bit more of what people don't see all the time
0: yeah get out there and do do a day hike bring a pack with with some supplies and then try an overnighter and i swear you'll be hooked
2: that sounds pretty good well thank you thanks so
1: much mark we hope this is great
2: Paths cross in the real world very, very soon.
1: Yes.
0: That would be awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank oh, you. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Did you make our camping reservations?
2: No, everything's full. We might have to rethink our trip.
1: No way. Did you look at Boondockers Welcome? You remember they have hosts all over the place where we can stay free. Some that are totally off-grid camping and some with partial and even full hookups. There's all kinds of great places to overnight.
2: Of course. And we even have a coupon code to join Boondockers Welcome on our partners page. You could save five bucks when you sign up. How could I forget? There are all kinds of great places we can find on the Boondockers Welcome website, our trip is saved
1: and speaking of saving money we will since there's no charge to stay at any boondockers welcome site it's the best deal out there and it's a great way to meet local hosts and stay in local places and expand our journey
2: well i'm gonna finish planning our epic road trip and it's gonna be even better with stays we find on the boondockers welcome website and it's so easy to locate hosts along your next epic adventure By the way, Boondocker is welcome. The price for the subscription is going up. You can
1: still use the discount code. Yes. And you can still get the price that it is now at the time. And this is going to be just for new members. So if you're already a member and you're going to renew, it's going to stay the same price that you've paid before. But if you're a new member or you're not yet a member... The price for new members is going to go up, and that will be your price forever. Yeah, <laughs> so, so if you want to become a Boondockers Welcome member, this is the time to do it before the price goes up. It's significant. It's about $30 a year, so yeah,
2: but it's worth it. We have a discount on we do. our Discounts we do. and Deals page. That's a great place to visit. All right. I'm not sure I want to share this location or not.
1: (laughs) Speaking of great places to visit. Oh my
2: gosh. It was fan flippantastic and it's small and kind of hidden.
1: You know, we want to keep it hidden because we don't want to have struggles to make reservations here in the future. (laughs) But still, after hiking the Eastern Sierra or any part of the Sierras with Mark, Benton Hot Springs is the place to go. And relax those tired muscles (laughs)
2: from all that hiking. So Benton Hot Springs is kind of in the middle of nowhere in the eastern Sierras. And each site and their campground has a hot springs, like a tub that you can sit in that is fed by the hot springs.
1: So technically, really, it's not so much a campground. It's a bunch of hot springs tubs, built up tubs based on the hot springs where you're allowed to camp? Yeah,
2: it's there are no hookups or any of that. There is a toilet building that you know it's like a trailer. Mm-hmm. So, but they're proper flush toilets. But that's pretty much it. There's fire pits and hot springs tubs, and
1: picnic tables.
2: Oh yeah, picnic tables.
1: So they are individual sites, and each one is kind of isolated from the next. So, yes,
2: because it is clothing. <coughs> it optional. is clothing
1: optional, and so you know, for the most part, you don't have to worry about seeing or being seen. It's not like fenced in or anything, but it is, there's a lot of vegetation and some fencing. And so that you feel a lot of privacy.
2: And a beautiful stream. And that stream is also fed by the hot springs. Yeah. And so when we went, it was, it was pretty cold. It was pretty cold. But the street, the stream's all steaming. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know, I thought that was cool. And then the tubs, so the way it works, it's like a big, ours was a big concrete tub. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're sitting in it and there's a faucet there that comes from the hot springs with a sprinkler. So you kind of add water or... You turn the water on or off, depending on how much hotter you want it to be. Right. And then it drains back into the stream. So it's like you get in and you hear it draining into the stream. It was just, I don't know, but the the setting and the views were-
1: So magnificent. Yeah, oh. it was
2: fantastic. There was snow
1: on the mountains. It was so gorgeous. Now, one tip, especially if it's cold weather, go ahead and let that spring run overnight that sprinkler head because we turned it off thinking we you know we're california non-water wasters right so we didn't want water to be running when it wasn't necessary yeah it was
2: a bad and that
1: tub was cold in the morning
2: yeah it it (laughs) cooled off i think what it is is that hot springs just is continuously running yeah and that is just a way of diverting the hot water right right anyway it was we loved it and that was the last night that we spent in the four-wheel pop-up campers camper uh, if you haven't seen that video yet of our journey with that, we have that as well. And we have a video review of the toilet that we bought yes. to use in that camper. <laughs> yes. If you ever wanted to watch toilet video, we got There's one. There's your
1: chance. <laughs> yeah.
2: Benton Hot Springs. What a, what a wonderful spot. What a
1: beautiful is. spot. Hey, you know, last week we started a new little feature, FMCA tip of the week.
2: We did. And this week one.
1: Yeah, we do have one. I wanted to I wanted to tell you that there's an FMCA university and I'll probably talk about that a lot of times because there's a lot of components to the university. But there's a button called curriculum. And when you press on university curriculum button, you get something like twenty-five topics from accessories to winter R V use. And each of those topics has a series of articles and at the end of the article is a quiz. And so you read the articles, you take the quizzes and you pass the course. (laughs) So like a university, you can actually take, it's kind of like seminars during FMCA conventions. You get to learn things. Some of them are product based, you know, almost advertisements for products, but some of them are just very general information and really good stuff. And I passed One course, I forget which one, (laughs) that I did all the articles and videos on, or I mean, articles and quizzes. So this is just another great, great feature of being an FMCA member is this university. Like, I think if you had any questions, you could go to that university and among all the different parts of the university, you could find the answers to the questions. And as we go through however many weeks I (laughs) continue to do this, I will tell you more and more about the university and other features of being an FMCA member. And see I
2: didn't even know that. That there was a university. See, even (laughs) I learned from my own from our own (laughs) podcast. Look at that. Well, our gadget of the week is something that was sent to me. It is a Dreo portable air purifier and you might think (laughs) that's not what you might think but that's what i think Okay, (laughs) you might think i'm going to where there's clean air in my rv but a lot of people go to where there's pollen or other different stuff in the air Mm -hmm. and so At first, I'm like, do I want to bring an air purifier in the RV? And the answer is sort of yes, because I get a lot of allergies and such. So, Dreo makes all sorts of household electronics, including fans and heaters and air fryers and sort of that. And what this air purifier is, is a small unit with a three-stage filtration system that uses a medical-grade H13 true HEPA filter with an air quality monitoring system. So, we put it in our vintage trailer when we were ripping out walls to (laughs) kind of capture that. And sure enough, there's a light on the face of it that changes color based on air quality. It went red. And then the (laughs) air filter kind of kicked into high gear. It's kind of a neat deal. I noticed fewer allergies with this, but of course the, the downside is it does take household outlet. So you, sure. have, you know, have to use a normal plug. So if you're off-grid camping, you have to figure that in. But overall, it was not that large. There's an article that I wrote, which I'll link to over on RV Travel. We did have one person buy it and then return it and say, well, this is bigger than I thought. Oh. The dimensions are listed where you
1: buy it. <laughs> it's not bad. I, it's, I'd say it's probably ish smaller ish about the same size as like our countertop ice
2: maker yeah our kitchen garbage can
1: we have another air filter in our house which is significantly larger and
2: heavier and uses more electricity yeah so it's it's relatively efficient it's really really quiet
1: yeah we usually think it's not running
2: (laughs) yeah they claim it produces only 20 decibels and a normal conversation is 85 so there you go the dreo air purifier as I said, it was sent to us to review. We we do like it and it will take up residence in our next R V. <sighs> What's that gonna be? Well, you just have to keep listening. Oh. But I will tease with this. We have ordered
1: We have ordered our and next RV. Scheduled
2: for production our yes. next R V.
1: Yes. Are you gonna tell us about it in R V of the week? No. Okay. Because you're the gonna RV
2: tell us about something else. Is one of the most unusual things I have seen. In this space, and I write a daily RV review.
1: But we like unusual. Oh heck
2: yeah! (laughs) This is not a bad thing at all. This is the Eventure trailer, and I was trolling around over on LinkedIn, and the Garrett from Eventure reached out and said, "Hey, you want to see what we're doing over here?" Well, this trailer is. uh, How do I even describe? The article unfortunately won't come out until this weekend, so you're going to have to come back and and check it out. But you're getting a preview now. You're getting a preview now. And what this is, is sort of a trailer in three parts. So it's a low trailer, kind of like a pop-up trailer, right? So it sits low. Okay. It's all metal. And at the front is kind of the box and a drawer comes out and it's a gigantic, I mean, gigantic grill. There's Ooh. a flat top you can put on top. It's a huge grill. So you could, I mean, we have a friend who's got a professional catering business, and this grill is bigger than hers. Oh. And then it comes with an ice chest, but you could use like one of those 12-volt refrigerators. Mm-hmm. All the drawers are metal. On the other side of the this thing, so the grill and the ice chest provision are on the driver's side. And on the other side is another drawer that has what I call a dog bowl sink. So it's a sink that just sits there and you use like bottled water or something to run the water. So there's not any water system in this whatsoever. Okay. So that's the front. Then there's two big hinges. So the back is attached to the front in two big hinges. You can set the jacks down on this and then unclasp the back and it kind of splits open so it forms a Y and on either side of the Y at the back, is a couch
1: okay yeah
2: so you've got this couch type of thing and you could sit there and lounge while somebody's at the front making up food <laughs> making food for an army but there's a pop-up <laughs> tv kind of at the front of the couch oh so you could sit and watch tv or if you don't unclasp the two halves and leave them together you have a true queen size bed ah. it's it's such a trip but there's no top to this thing so it is an open trailer however they do offer an optional tent that encloses the back of the trailer okay such that you can you can have like a full room back there with this trailer and the y-shaped back it's just like I said. Oh, can't wait to nothing, see the pictures oh, of this. <laughs> there's nothing like this. Talking to Garrett, what a cool guy and what a cool rig. I just was really impressed with this. Now this could be probably one of the best tailgating trailers because of that grill, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you could use it for tailgating, and that the inventor of this invented it. Because he was tailgating with his kids at soccer practice and he was, you know, he had to load up all the stuff uh-huh. and then unload the stuff. And he's like, gosh, I wish I could just make this one easy thing. And he did. Super cool. So I mean, you could open up the Y, watch your kids play soccer, whip out this giant grill, grill up enough, you know, burgers or dogs or whatever for the whole doggone team. And it's just it's neat. So not You know, for everybody, but who cares? It's so very different and cool.
1: That sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, and that review will be available this weekend on travel dot com.
1: Sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Last week I asked you in our question of the week if your camping season had started. And I'm sorry to those of you who had to say no. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, some of you still were like, talking about snow and blizzards yeah. <laughs> and wind. And and then there were those us braggarts who say, oh, well, we live in the southern half of the country, so we never have to stop camping. <laughs>
2: well, and there are people, I mean, Mike and Jennifer Wendland camp in the snow. True. Lots of folks right, do that's camp true. in, in you know, proper winter. So
1: what might not be your season might be your neighbor's season. Right. Who knows? Anyway, most of you said by... By May, by mid-May, or, or Memorial Day weekend at least, is going to be camping season. So it is coming up.
2: Yep. And of course, that's over on our fun and friendly Facebook group, which is the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. But we have a new question that we ask every week. We and do. And this week's question is...
1: So based on our talk with Mark and the idea of tent camping and fifth wheel camping and new RVs and (laughs) vintage RVs, I just am curious what, the way I wrote it was what size, but what is your rig? What is your setup? What is your camping setup? Do you tent camp? Do you, you know, are you a small trailer, big trailer? I just kind of, you know how I get, I'm just nosy and I want (laughs) to, I want everyone to tell me their stories. So tell me your rig story maybe even with some pictures would be yeah, fine
2: pictures would be good and why did you choose what you chose yeah we're curious and you know it's always fun to share these stories
1: because as we say there is no wrong way to go camping
2: yeah except stay at home
1: except stay at which home which is what i'll be doing <laughs> you know that means different things to different people and i just love to find out what that means to you
2: yeah it's all about stressless camping however you define that so again that's over on our fun and friendly stressless camping podcast facebook group Which you can access from our website. At the top, there are links to our Facebook and Instagram and the podcast and all of those places we are out in the social world.
1: Right. But before you go, don't forget you can sign up for our once a week newsletter.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely free. And we've got links to the stories, videos, podcasts, and more. That will help you get the most out of your stressless camping experience.
1: So sign up and know that we're just going to send you a once a week email. We're not going to sell your information or give it away.
2: No, that would not. (laughs) That would not be stressless
1: camping. We're just going to send you once a week email. And also, while you're on the website, don't forget to check out that deals and discounts page, especially for the discount on Boondockers Welcome while before the price goes
2: up and wear safe GPS and wear safe GPS and so many other. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. At the Stressless Camping Podcast, you can find our show notes, photos, and more. This is episode number 145. And so just check us out there. Or, of course, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. And while you're getting your podcasts, we really appreciate any reviews you will leave for us. It helps wherever you find podcasts know that people are listening. And that they should recommend us. And of course, the more people who listen, the better the guests we get and the better the discounts. So that's that's, right. what, that's what's in it for you. Well, thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you are enjoying some great stressless camping. And most of all, happy, happy
1: camping. camping.
0: We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping. chili mac, beef stroganoff, <laughs> ravioli, and spaghetti are all fantastic. And even the biscuits and gravy that they make is pretty good.
1: You finally got Tony's attention. You said beer oh, yeah. and chili mac. and. <laughs> I